2 Corinthians chapter number 10, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We're just going to read the first six verses. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 1 says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. In other words, I can write this to you, but if I was there with you, I'd be a little bit meeker and a little bit quieter. And he said, but I'm writing to you and I'm writing boldly. Next verse says, so that when I get there, I don't have to be like this. But I beseech you, verse 2, that I may not be bold when I am present with you, that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some when think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I want to come back to verse number 5 in that last phrase. The Bible says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I want to be very careful today not to try to draw the similarities, but... This message was on my heart and prepared for uh, before this week was taking place. But we do want to look into the scriptures on this subject matter on winning the battle of the mind. Winning the battle of the mind. And we'll get into the scriptures because he says, bringing into captivity every thought. Let's pray together and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. What I'm thankful that even in what we may say is simple things that there are big problems for us, the battle of the mind. What I pray that you'd help us today, that you would give victory in many areas, perhaps to many people that are here or under the sound of my voice via the live stream this morning. And Lord, that not just physically, but even mentally, you desire to give us victory each and every day of our lives. And Lord, you show us some things in the Scripture and you've revealed them to us to be able to help us. And so, Lord, would you do that work in our hearts and lives that only you can do today. Lord, we do ask that you'd be with our brothers and sisters in Christ over in Russia and Ukraine this morning. Lord, maybe some of them still met for prayer and for service throughout this day. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep them safe and may souls be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We will not this morning, but I believe if we were to take the time and to take a survey this morning about the battle of the mind on how many of us and myself will be included in all of this, that we can think ourselves into situations and we can think ourselves out of situations. Isn't it amazing the power that our thought life can have on a daily basis? It's been said that some people can even think themselves sick. That if you think about it enough, I go back 
uh, several years. I was not there for this, but my dad told the story. There's some that just think about food in the wrong way, and it affects them physically. And so we had, uh, my dad went up north and did some deer hunting or fishing. I think it was during fishing time up in northern Maine. And so they were in a cabin with several other men, and they'd come back that day, and they'd been fishing and caught their limit. And then they made supper. And how many, one of the vegetables you like is cream-style corn. Isn't it, isn't it pretty good? Heat that up. It's on your plate there. Cream-style corn. They had some leftover cream-style corn from supper that night. They all go to bed. One, a couple of the men, just like in every crowd, they get up early and they're making breakfast for everybody. That's just their gift and their ability. And they're making breakfast. They make pancakes the next morning. And so they get done with the pancakes and everybody's commenting on how wonderful the pancakes were that they ate for breakfast. After everybody's eaten and everybody has commented and everybody's enjoying the time, one of them says, well, we took the leftover corn from last night and we put it in the pancake mix this morning. Tasted wonderful except for the one man who could not bring every thought into captivity. And he goes and sits off to the side, and for the next 30 or 45 minutes, he is just thinking about the cream-style corn that was put in those pancakes. And after about 45 minutes, he walks outside and gets rid of his entire breakfast that he had just eaten. Because of this right here. And he just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about what he just ate and thinking about the corn in there and got rid of all of it. Now all of us know people like that, that they can just think themselves into a situation that they're going to go up and go out and throw up their breakfast. Start thinking about things. I'm not saying every sickness is something we think ourselves into just so that you don't get that direction. But he was perfectly healthy that morning and then thought too much about it, went outside and tossed all, he didn't toss his cookies, (laughs) tossed his pancakes is what he did that morning. And I say this, the mind is a very powerful thing. And as we approach this subject matter, by no means is this going to be an exhaustive message about winning the battle of the mind, but I do want to give us some some very basic and simplistic thoughts this morning, at least starting that direction of winning the battle of the mind. We can do this inside of relationships, that one person can say something, and then we sit around for the rest of the day and say, I wonder what they meant by that. And then we think ourselves into a full-fledged argument later on just because we allowed our mind, we use the term today, to run wild. Paul is having to qualify some things here. He said, I'm writing to you so that when I come, he said, I can be gentle to you because I'm not desiring to come and be bold unto you but we all do walk in the flesh is what he's saying. 
And so as he continues into this, when in the battle of the mind, and I believe if we were to take testimony right here, every one of us could probably attest to it today about times that our mind has gotten us in trouble with absolutely no actions behind it whatsoever. We've just thought it. Just thought it and thought it and thought it, and we work ourselves into it. Hey, listen, we can think ourselves to, into encouragement, but we can think ourselves into discouragement too. And so as we look at this winning the battle of the mind, I just want to share a few thoughts as we come down through this, this passage of Scripture right here. First of all, I want you to see the intensity of the battle. The intensity of the battle. You say, what do you mean? I want us to see what words are used here to describe what is taking place in our minds. He says here in verse number 3, he used words like this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, he's setting the context to be able to be coming into this battle of the mind. So he uses the word war. And then in verse number 4, every war has weapons. And he says in verse number 4, for the weapons of our warfare. He's still in the context of our mind. If you don't think your mind is a battlefield, then you're not paying attention to Scripture. He uses war. He uses warfare. He says at the end of verse number 4, the pulling down of strongholds. Those are um, in, 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 emboldened places for defensive things that they're coming against and they've got the high ground. They've got the stronghold and you have to attack against them. He says for pulling down those strongholds. But then in verse number 5, we see the word bringing into captivity every thought. There's always prisoners of war in this matter. Now we are speaking about our mind this morning. And so the intensity of this, if we do not think that our mind is a battlefield, then we're just ignoring what scriptures say. But you know as well as I do that in relationships... In sin, listen, long before any external action of sin is ever taken, guess where it's been festering for a while? Our heart and our mind. It found its lodging place. We've thought it through. Isn't it amazing how quick the mind can come up with a plan? I've thought about things. We were going through, still going through the life of Joseph in men's Bible study on Tuesday night. And I said, it is amazing. One of the points we saw that as soon as his brothers saw Joseph come over the hill, they recognized the jacket and immediately in the next verse, they had an entire plan laid out on how they could take care of Joseph. I said, it's amazing how quick the mind can work to be able to come up with a plan that is so much against God. And I said, the 
relevance of the mind in our everyday lives that we think about things, the intensity of these things. When he says bringing into captivity, we understand that there is an active battle and warfare that is taking place in our minds every day of our lives. Now, we say, well, Pastor, are, are you an expert in all of this? No, I'm not. Honestly, I am not a psychologist. And I really don't like talking to one either because I feel like they're just analyzing me the whole time. If, if I meet someone in town or in church and they're like, yeah, I'm a psychologist. I'm like, okay, our conversation's over. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and talk another 10 minutes because I know you're, you, you're finding out everything that's wrong with me this entire time while we're talking. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm approaching this from the biblical manner right now of the spiritual battle that takes place in every one of our minds every day and multiple times every day of our lives. The intensity of it, that if we think the devil is not trying to control your mind and to influence your mind and to affect your actions because of what you're thinking about, then listen, we're willingly ignorant of this. And he will bombard us on a daily basis. But we understand this, the intensity. We are in a war of the mind. The weapons are not carnal. In other words, you can't just say that, uh, well, the power of positive thinking is just going to make a difference in my life. And I say that, you, you say, I read the book, Power of Positive Thinking. I've read the book too, The Power of Positive Thinking. It's the Word of God. Here's where the battle needs to take place right here. How many have said, hey, you need to get your mindset taken care of? One of our devotions throughout this week was dealing with the subject matter, whether you discussed it or not, because you're 15 behind probably, Brother Donahoe in Sunday school. We didn't get to it either, don't worry. But uh, the devotion on optimism. How many here would be honest about it that you're, you're mindset and you're bent towards being an optimist? We got about a half a dozen and we're like, it's no wonder the world's in it. How many would admit it today that you'd say you're more bent towards being a pessimist? And how many say, I'm not just not going to put my hand up. It's not going to do any good. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, people think that, well, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. There, there is that fine line. And we look at those things. But you know, some people, their mindset in life is that you could say, boy, it's such a beautiful day out there. Yeah, but it's probably going to be snow by the end of the week. I mean, yes, that's probably going to happen, okay? It's probably going to snow. You say, how do you know? Because it's sunny outside and this is New Hampshire. So you know snow is coming. But the mindset is. Now listen, it's not just the physical things that are around us that we have to win this battle of the mind, but the intensity of our mind in spiritual things. If we don't think that the battle is raging even more than just a matter of physical optimism and pessimism, but the battle of our mind for spiritual things... We better understand the intensity of this. And I say this, I, I say that when we're going into battle, especially in the battle of the mind, we better go with equal or superior firepower. 
than what's coming at us. If I'm going into a battle, and listen, we're talking about the mind now, talking about the intensity of this battle in our minds. If we're going to enter into this battle, I'm not going into a fight if I'm not going to win. And I'm going to make sure I do all that I can. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do all I can. Y'all cheat to win. I'm just kidding. And I would probably. I'm going to win. There's no sense fighting if you're not looking to win. I'm not getting a participation trophy. But listen, this is more than just a little sports program. This is more than just how's the weather out there. This is more than any of that. Listen, the words that's used to describe what has taken place and the assault on our minds on a daily basis is war and warfare and weapons and captivity to show the intensity of what has taken place. Now, here's where I want to spend a little bit of time. Not just the intensity of the battle, but I want you to see identifying the battle. You say, what do you mean? Look at verse number 5 with me. We need to identify what has taken place. Do you know what's, what's taking place right now? And I'll, I'll give this example because this has been said, what's taking place in the streets of Kiev right now is that there are soldiers that are walking down the street, and this was reported um, by Russian soldiers, okay? It was reported, they said, we, we don't know who to fight because they all look like us. That's what the Russians were saying. We don't know who to fight because they look like us. Can I tell you one of the most important things when you're going to battle is know who you're fighting? Know who you're fighting. I also thought this was, this was a little, there, there's nothing comical about it. But some Ukrainians approached a Russian tank that was sitting on the side of the road. And the soldiers were standing outside the tank and off the tank. And the Ukrainians stopped and asked them if they were broke down. And they said, no, we ran out of fuel. And so they asked them, do you want me to tow you back to Russia? That's what they asked them, and they actually have a video of that actually asking them, I can tow you back to Russia. And so, can I, listen, we better identify some things, and you say, well, there's a battle that goes on in my mind, but you've never pinpointed or identified what it is that you're fighting against. Identify some things. Now look at this, verse number 5. Here's what we're fighting against. Here's what's in the battle. First of all, casting down imaginations. You say, what's an imagination? It's a fantasy of things that are not true. Things that are imagined and made up in our minds. And I'll say this, most of the time, that's what gets us in trouble. Most of the time, that's what gets us at, at odds with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what gets us inside of a marriage, inside of relationships, is an imagination that we just sit back and stew on it and say, well, I, I, wonder, I wonder if that's true or not. I, I, wonder, I wonder what that is. And we come up with this and we imagine it and we tell our kids, use your imagination. It's, it's make-believe. And it's pretend. How many here in your imagination as a kid were ever in a rocket ship and went to the moon? I did that. I was in a rocket ship and went to the moon. And, and I, we, we did these things. You say, that's all in your imagination. That's not even real. 
Well, how many of us are defeated every day of our lives because of imaginations that are in our mind of things that aren't even there? I'm not talking about a a mental disorder. I'm not talking about a, a physical illness or sickness. I'm talking about we work it up in our minds and it's, it's not even there. We read into it. We make something out of nothing. Listen, only God is able to create something and make something out of nothing. Casting down imaginations, things that are not true. But then look at the second thing here. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. You say, what are these things? These are things that take the place of God and degrade God. That actually in our mind become of more importance than God is. Do you understand that when we have a battle of the mind and we are given more time and effort and commitment to things of our mind, we're allowing it in our mind to take the place of God. And it's not first place in our minds. It's not first place in our lives. God isn't when we give more time to that. And we're paying attention to it. Every high thing that exalteth itself against God. And when we give place in our minds to things being more important than what God is, the battle is on. And we're spending more time on that. Now you think about that. That could be your own personal pleasure and satisfaction. That could be, hey, listen, we get to the point that uh, you, can, you can name your hobby. Okay? Whether it be hunting, fishing, shopping, deer hunting, hiking, whatever it is. I haven't, I'm just throwing that in. I got to make sure to get the second row right here. <laughs> no, I'm saying in our minds, we give more time to that than we do to God. Something's wrong in our lives. Oh, all I can think about is shopping. All I can think about, and some are saying, why in the world would they think about that? Some are saying, oh, all I can think about is guns. All I can think about is cars. All I can think about, hey, when we start those high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and it's taken the place of God in our minds. Listen, in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ should have preeminence in all of it. Nothing more important we got our teenagers sitting over here. Oh, all they need is a spouse. They need, they need to have it nailed down right now. I mean, 17 years old, you're practically an old man over here. Oh, all I need, boy, I need a girlfriend. I need this, I need that. And all of a sudden, we're, we're obsessed with that. No. Why not cast down those imaginations? Why not bring those things into captivity? He says, every thought. Now listen how he words this. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means there's thoughts in our lives, I'll say this, that are disobedient to Christ. You say, what do you mean? You know as well as I do, there's thoughts of sin that people just sit there and mull over. There's people that have impure thoughts. You say, well, I'm sitting in church this morning. Hey, I'm not trying to to add to your thought life in a wicked way right now, but there's some people who sit in church and all they do is look across the auditorium and lust after a man or a woman that's across the auditorium. And they're sitting in church. Those are thoughts that are disobedient to Christ. And he's saying bring thoughts into captivity. Do you understand what captivity? Hey, I was a prison missionary for 15 years. 
I know what people in captivity is all about. That means you lock them up, turn the key, you don't throw it away, but in this case, hey, listen, you have complete 100% control. You know, there's some, and you've heard testimonies of this, that after 35, 40 years of someone getting out of prison, they've been told when to get up in the morning. They've been told when to eat every day. They've been told when they can take a shower, when they can use the restroom. They've been told everything for years. They haven't even had to think about it. And I thought, what control they have over some people. And God uses that word of saying, hey, Let's identify some things. There are some thoughts that are disobedient to Christ. And he's saying, you better bring them into captivity. You better have complete control over them that they do not control you. Whenever you hear the statement that the, um, that the inmates are running the asylum, you start thinking about that and say, well, things are backwards there, aren't they? So why is it that our thought life actually controls us instead of us controlling our thought life? Don't we have the Holy Spirit of God that's living inside of us? Don't we have the Word of God that we can go to on a daily basis to be able to bring those thoughts into captivity? You say, Pastor, you would be surprised at some of the thoughts that come into my mind. I had a, a preacher tell me, and at this point, he had been saved and preaching for over 40 years. And he said, Brother Peter, he said, you'd be amazed. He said that just out of the blue, he said, I'm talking things from 50 years ago in my life. He said that, wham, he said, they come into my mind. And he said, I'm thinking, where in the world did that come from? He said, I'm not in that environment. I'm not looking that direction. I'm not talking that direction. I'm not trying to meditate on it. But boom, that thought comes into the mind. He said, where I sit back, he said, it's so real. He said, I look around to see if everybody else sees that thought. It's so real. And he said, that verse right there of bringing that thought into captivity that listens, we have to go after that. We have to capture that. We have to get control of that. And we have to lock it away. Listen, not meditate on it and be able to say, yeah, you know, it could be hate for a brother or sister in Christ. It could be bitterness. Boy, you see someone after all the years, and boy, all of a sudden, not even trying to. Boy, it just comes up on us. We're like, where did that come from? Boy, we better bring that into captivity. We, we better say, hey, I'm getting control of that. You say, but, but pastor, how do we do that? Well, I will say this. We do not do it. And I told you this would not be an exhaustive message this morning. We do not do it outside of the Word of God. We have to have the Word of God to be able to bring it into captivity. Listen, I believe this. I believe that the Scriptures are the key to be able to lock up the thoughts that we bring into captivity. I believe the Scriptures are the key to lock up the thoughts that we bring into captivity. You say, what, why, why is that? We've identified these. There's imaginations. There may be things in your life that, listen, you're just making something out of nothing. Or you have thoughts in your life that are exalting itself and you're allowing it to be more than what God is in your life. Or there may be things that are just disobedient thoughts. That, here's why the battle of the mind is so important. Because you can sit right in church and all the actions look good. 
but your mind is a thousand miles away in a sinful situation. And you start thinking, listen, you can sit in the midst of all kinds of people looking all holy and righteous and there's disobedient thoughts going through your mind. You see that person across the auditorium from you and you say, hmm, wonder why they're even in church today as wicked of a person they are. They might be looking back at you saying the same thing. But we sit there and boy, we miss what God is trying to do in our hearts and lives. You know why? Because we're not willing to control this mind right here. And we're not willing to identify, hey, this is what it is in my life that is causing problems. I heard this statement this week, and Miss Crystal and I talked about it on our way back yesterday. It, it was in relation to warfare. There was a man that was getting ready to, he was asked the example, he was a soldier. And they asked him, they said, if you're going into battle, they said this, he said, what is the one weapon that you want to take with you? And the man stopped and thought for a while. And this was on a physical level. He said, if I can only have one thing, he said, I don't want it to be a gun. I don't want it to be a knife. He said, I've been trained to kill people with my bare hands. He said, I can do that. He said, then what do you want to take? And here's what he said. He said, I want to be able to take a brother or sister with me that's big enough to carry me out. He said, if something happens to me, I want to be able to be brought out. And I thought, and we talked about that, and I said, how wonderful of a statement that is that we better have control. And listen, if there's some of these things that you can't cast down imaginations on your own and you cannot bring them into captivity and you cannot uh, cast down every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, listen, you better get someone with you who can help carry you out of this and to be able to be a partner in that. We identify these things. It may be different in your life. Listen, you may have a thought process and things that control your mind that are different than the things that control my mind. And we better be saying, hey, we need to bring these in, in captivity. Now, here's the influence of the battle in our lives. Here's how it can influence in our lives if we'll allow it to. Here's what will influence the outcome of this battle is in verse number 6. It says, And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, look at this phrase, when your obedience is fulfilled. You say, what's going to make a difference in this battle of the mind? Obeying Christ. Obeying Christ. You say, does that really make a difference? How long, listen, are you going to sit and think about something when you realize that you're disobeying Christ while you're thinking about it? If our motive and our desire is to please and glorify and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in our entire lives, that means our thought life. And when that thought comes in, boy, that's not glorifying Christ. Bring it into obedience for Christ and revenge all disobedience. Hey, we ought to discipline the thoughts in our minds. If you need to, listen, have a conversation with yourself. And just tell yourself how wicked of a thought that is. Vocalize it. You say, people will see me like that. Just put a Bluetooth thing in your ear. 
Just put a little earbud and it can be Bluetooth and people just think you're talking on the telephone. But really, you're having a pep talk with yourself. Man, I, I've heard people give themselves pep talks. I'll, I'll give you this. So how many remember Brother Kurt LeBeau? Okay, he's a blind evangelist, plays the piano, working on, we're going to get him back up here with us, don't worry. But uh, so he was singing at our home church when we were living down in Tennessee. So the piano was over here on this side of the platform. And so he would get done, step down a couple seats, and it was, it was a big meeting. I mean, honestly, every, every seat was taken. And of course, he's blind now. And so he's come down off the platform. Well, what had happened while he was up here singing is another preacher had come in to sit on the front row. And so when he came in, everybody moved down a seat. Well, when Brother Kurt left down there, he was sitting on the end seat where Isaac is sitting right now, okay? He was sitting on the end seat. Well, the problem is everybody had moved down, so the person he was next to that he just had to touch the arm and say, okay, I'm, I'm okay here, and I'll sit down, had just moved down to the end. So he comes off the platform, walks down there. We're singing a congregational song. He, he feels and he knows he's next to the guy that he's supposed to sit next to. And we all get done singing and everybody just sits down, including Brother Kurt sitting down here on the end. And he goes down, his legs are up in the air and he's, he's falling flat on the floor. It's Brother Ron Garris who he's standing beside. At that point, the director of the Rock of Ages has been preaching for 40 years. And someone said they were sitting in the second row. And afterwards, they heard Ron Garris right there. And you just have to hear Ron Garris. And he was so beating himself up. And they heard things like, what are you doing, you dummy? Yet, you had one job. Just to be able to make sure. And you got Brother Kurt on the floor. And he's sitting there tearing himself down in a conversation with himself about what he just allowed to have happen. And they were chuckling about that. They're like, I heard brother, he was literally ripping himself up one side and down the other, standing there in church. And I thought, you know, when we'd get to that point of influence in our thought life, that when something comes in, listen, if it is against obedience to the Lord, then why not have a conversation with ourselves and say, listen, you ought not to be thinking like that. Get that thought out of my mind. Start concentrating on Scripture. Start quoting Scripture, pleading the blood of Christ. Get that thought out of my mind. Make a difference on it. But no, what do we do? Boy, we get real quiet and entertain the thought most of the time. Well, what harm is there in thinking about it for a little while? How many have ever come up with, uh, don't raise your hand, it just shows how carnal everybody is. But man, you come up, someone does you wrong, you come up with a plan. I'm talking just like that to be able to get them back. Man, it's amazing how quick the mind can work. But then all of a sudden we start thinking, that's not Christ-like. That's not where our mind ought to be going. That's not what we ought to be thinking about. What will influence this battle is our motive to be able to obey Christ. Because after all, if you get down and read verse number 7, listen, he emphasizes at least twice in that verse of Scripture that we do belong to Christ. We are His. 
We've been bought with a price that he's told us about and with the precious blood of Christ. Let me ask you this, and, and it's very simple on this thought. Every one of us would probably agree today that there's a battle in the mind. And so the question is this, are you winning the battle? Or are you losing the battle? There was a situation, I won't tell you how long ago it was. But for quite a while, I was losing the battle. And I'm talking, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd be thinking about it. I'd go and I'd snow blow the driveway, and I'd think about it for an hour. I'd get done, I'd go do something else, and it's on my mind on my mind. Man, I couldn't shake it. And guess what? There was absolutely nothing that I could do to be able to change the situation, to be able to adjust it. But my mind was coming through every scenario. What if this happens? Then I need to do this. But what if this happens? Then I need to do this. And I had so many scenarios in my mind that I was working through until finally, and this was a while ago. I'm not going to tell you when it was or what it was about. But I'd start going through the scriptures and saying, I better win this battle of the mind. Because God has given us every tool that's necessary to win this battle, but we just don't use them. And I believe it's because we don't understand the intensity of it. We know that there's a battle, but we just don't understand how bad the other side wants to win. We don't understand how strong they are, and we don't understand how strong our weapons are. We've got the Word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, what the battle that you're raging in your mind right now, you can win that. I'll say it as simple as this. There's some that can't win the battle of the mind just sitting and paying attention for an hour in church. Because Facebook... And, and everything is changing your life and the whole world is changing while you're sitting in church and you can't even control the mind long enough to pay attention. Winning the battle of the mind. And I wonder if you are or I wonder if our greatest motivation would be to the obedience of Christ. Our mind, is it in obedience or disobedience? Identify some things. What is it that you're losing your battle? Is it an imagination, something you're just bringing up, that you're making up? Is it a high thing, something that's separating and putting in place of who God is? Or maybe it's just the thoughts and that, are, that are disobedient to the Lord and they're just sinful thoughts. And we're just not winning the battle. God's given us every weapon that we need to win this warfare, to tear down these strongholds, and the problem is we can talk about it real good, but we need to put them into practice. What would you think of wars that are taking place around this world if they said right now, yeah, I've got a knife, I'm going to battle, and they have a warehouse full of machine guns and full of missiles and full of armored vehicles, and they say, yeah, we've got all that, but we're just going to save that for a big fight. Hey, any fight that can defeat me is a big fight that I need to win. Any fight. Are you winning the battle of the mind? If not, then let's put some things in place. And listen, we can go on for another two months on this. Put some things in place. Identify where you're losing the battle in the mind and make a conscious decision we're going to win it.